0: Hey, it's Jeff here. After working as an automotive tech for almost 25 years, I can honestly say that finding employment with the right shop has been the difference maker between loving what I do every day or hating my career choice. Let me tell you, I've been there. But I've also had jobs where work didn't really feel like work. I love the challenge of fixing cars. So loving what I do, that's the easy part. Finding a good place to do it in, now that's been the struggle. And that's where my friends at Promotive knock it out of the park. They're a recruitment company specializing in jobs for our automotive industry. A techs, B techs, master techs, service advisors, managers, you name it. They are constantly looking for applicants in automotive to link them with available job postings at only the best vested shops around the country. Promotive has a team of professional recruiters that can help you with your resume, prep you for the interview process, and negotiate the best pay and benefits package for you. And best of all, it's free to anyone looking to gain employment. Check them out at GoPromotive.com slash Jeff. GoPromotive.com slash Jeff. Just think, you could be just five minutes away from finding your dream job. So I've had comments of people being like, why are you showing this? Like To me, it's like, why do I care if
1: I show a DIY guy how to do something with a $5,000 scan tool that they're never going to buy a $5,000 scan tool to do? They're never going to have the capability to. I don't have much faith in the abilities of a lot of guys that are already in the industry. And while a lot of those guys might be trainable with the right training in the right direction and stuff like that, I mean, dude i know some techs that are 40 50 years old but i'm like i don't understand how you made it this far, how you're still like doing this job
0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another exciting, thought provoking episode of the Jada Mechanic Podcast. My name is Jeff, and I'd like to thank you for joining me on this journey of reflection and insight into the toils and triumphs of a career in automotive repair. After more than 20 years of skin, knuckles, and tool debt, I want to share my perspectives and hear other people's thoughts about our industry. Support so yourself with strong coffee or grab a cold Canadian beer and get ready for some great conversation.
1: Hundred percent, and all all of my every single video that I've done since the beginning of my like mechanic social media j- uh, journey here. Because I used to have a kayak fishing channel on YouTube before my son was born, but um, so that was actually the start of my social media journey. But I didn't do right. it for six years, and um, my fiance had started doing TikTok, so I was like, ah, oh, you know, I, I downloaded it to watch her. I'm like, you know, maybe I'll just try to shoot a TikTok, or I want to start doing YouTube for my mechanical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so easy to do the. TikTok to record it. So like if you go back to my original original videos, I had no clue how TikTok worked and yep. I have like uh like uh, it was a CRV starter I was changing. There's like 18 parts to it. That each like 3 minutes long because it was before 10 minute videos came out. <coughs> and uh and I got freaking roasted. The, the one video went like semi viral for the time since I was a brand new creator. And it was solely for the fact that I took the positive cable off of the battery before, or I didn't even take the ground off. I just took the positive off and I pushed it to the side. And I realized right at that moment, I was like, oh, okay. So the more negative things people have to say, the more these videos are going to blow up. And I was like, well, this is perfect. I don't need to be, because you can tell when people's videos are staged, if you know what you're looking at. And I'm like, I don't need to stage a single fucking thing. I'm like I'll, I can literally show my mistakes that I'm making yeah. while trying to figure out these problems and those those videos with mistakes will do really good and I was I was 100% right about that. So, yeah, all my videos are 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 completely genuine and I'm sure that there's guys that like look at me that that have seen a couple of my videos and don't like watch all my videos that are like why do people think this guy's any good? Like look at what he's like ruining. Look at what he's doing in these videos. Yeah, that's cuz we're not like there's no guys out there that are are perfect, and I'm I'm here to show that. Like, if I make a mistake, I want someone that's watching this video to learn something, to learn how not to make that mistake more than I want them to learn how to figure out what the problem is.
0: You know? Yeah. yeah. And you have you and I have had that conversation. I even made that that TikTok video because I'm new to TikTok, so I'm just I just learned how to stitch the other day, right? Like that was the hallelujah moment. <laughs> oh, no. it, it flows so much better when you do it, but. Like, I, I don't know. You're awesome because, like, you'll see the trolls come into yours, and you're like the politest guy to the trolls. And I'm like losing my mind every time somebody, like, I, I'm i the, like, okay, we're going to go out in the front yard. We're going to settle this kind of guy, right? Like, it, it, and you are the complete opposite. You're just like, thanks very much because you're, you're pumping the algorithm for me. And I'm just like, and I see it all the time because you can see it's like somebody would be talking on one of your videos and it'll be like completely unrelated. And it'll be like, hey, I'm question about this type of car and i'm like my head is ready to explode because we're talking about like you know a honda and he's like i got a ford with a misfire fault and like i'm just like did you ever wander into the wrong room mr like I, I mean we're not we're not talking fords i get
1: that but. all the time those those comments never really bother me like they bother other people when like I'm talking that they're like, you know, like you said, why, why is this guy asking about a Ford when you're doing a damn Honda video? Like, why does he care? I'm like, well, cause this guy probably really, really feels like he needs help on this problem. And he probably thinks like, you know, and again, this might be ego here, but he probably is watching this video and go, this is the only guy that can help me. I need him to answer me on this. You know what I mean? Like, so that's probably why they like, it's like when you word vomit a comment out, it's like, Oh, here's my opportunity. Uh, 2011 Ford Edge, uh, POO one I haven't changed the oil yet. What do I do? Well, you start (laughs) with changing the oil, buddy. But, you know, sometimes I'll see those comments and it's when I'm because like I'm very when I first post a video, I'm very responsive in the first like half hour to hour that that's up because the initial fire roll on that video going out is what's going to help determine how it gets pushed. So I watch Mm -hmm. every comment coming in on like for the original per se, like 20 to 30 comments and I'll make sure I like and reply to all of those comments and stuff and very very often i'll get that honda video guy asking a ford question and i'll be like oh i don't want to like that i don't want him to know that i saw it yet i'll answer him later and then like an hour later i'll i'll like it and i'll be like hey i'm sorry dude i'm like super busy i got a million people asking questions i'd love to help if you want send an email to you know my email and and if i have the time to answer you i'll i'll most definitely answer you and i i try to as often as possible but i'm clear with people that like i
0: i don't have time to answer everybody yeah uh, see that's I was just gonna say that's pretty admirable but i mean like if I was gonna put myself out there tomorrow and start doing you know a video i would not even wouldn't even entertain the notion of trying to to answer all those types of questions right because it's like I feel on social media by now there's so much good information out there about how um to how to how to fix your own car how to diagnose your own car and i'm not i'm not talking like can diagnostics. I'm not talking like advanced cloning and stuff like that, but I'm you know, like when somebody says, oh, I got a, a, a P420 on whatever, it's like okay, that's, you know, I don't want to say it's first day stuff, but the, the answer's are already out there, bud. Like, somebody way more talented than me has put out a really good video explaining how to troubleshoot that. Go troubleshoot it. Go learn. Like, take the initiative, you know, uh, make yourself an expert on the subject, watch that stuff, and then tackle it. But I, I the... I don't want to say it's the younger generation because I, I, you don't know, obviously, when somebody posts what their age is. But I find that that's, the, that's my kicker when I was talking about DIYs and whatnot in the internet. The thing I struggle with is, is all the people that just want the damn answer. You know what I mean? Like There's, there's guys like you and there's so many of us, other Brandon and, and whatnot, Toba, everybody, Norm, putting out these great content about how to solve a problem. And they just want a frickin' answer. Well, you know, like, and then the worst of that is Scotty Kilmer. Like it what really infuriates me is when people get online and all they want to do is you'll, you'll make a, Chuck goes to fix a Jeep and somebody's like, aha, oh, uh-huh, Jeeps are, you know, set it on fire. What a, a stupid comment. Like, okay, yeah, you don't like the brand, but that's not helping anybody. It's, right. it's just congratulations, right? Like that to me, the pandering to the customer side you know, of, uh, what I'm trying to get with through people is like, we need to stop running each other down is because then all you're doing is just pandering to the customers side of, of social media to get them to say, Oh, this brand is better than that brand. Cause there's no credibility at that point. Right? Like it's like Kilmer used to get on and say, Toyota was the greatest thing in the world. And, and I think he gave up if Toyota never sent him a brand new Toyota. And now he just says everything, <laughs> you know? It's terrible. So when people get on there and it's like <coughs> they could say shops don't that do this or shops that don't do that, I just shake my head because it's like we shouldn't I think, we shouldn't be on there as the mechanics of social media, um, trying to get customers to understand us better or like us more. I think we should be all trying to build each other up within the community. That's just where I'm at with this. This is what makes me do what I do, right? I'm fascinated by somebody like yourself I'm fascinated by somebody like Paul. Chris, you know, Brandon, Rich, all that, because I want to know, like, how you got to where you're going and and where you want to go. And the customers that just want to gripe about, you know, their brand new car that doesn't live up to the expectations. I, I'm so burnt out to listen to that. I mean, that was all good when, you know, I worked at the dealer and I was paid to listen to them complain. But now when I'm on uh, my social media is away from that, I don't care that it went back to the dealership seven times. I really don't. I want my fix for it's going to be how do we all get better so that it doesn't take seven trips? Right? That's it. Not like, oh my God, I feel so sorry for you because they haven't been able to fix your car at the dealership. Like, I've seen those cars. They're not, most of the time, They're not broke. They're just something that's this intermittent thing that, you know, is a squeak or a rattle that is probably all of them do it. And because you don't have your radio on, you hear all these stupid noises or feel all this crap. And meanwhile, the next person driving the exact same car doesn't notice any of it because they're just enjoying driving their car, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's like, you know, the people that uh, you tell have uh, bad wheel bearings and they're like, what noise, you know, when I'm driving? You're like, dude, I can't. I can't hear myself think in your car. You have bad wheels. They're like, no, I don't. I'm like, you can't hear it because you're so used to it. At this point, you're trained to the noise and, and yeah, customers um, definitely become that way. Uh, They become trained. Um, Some people think that the, the dealer is like the greatest place you could ever go. On the other hand, other people think that the dealer is the worst place you could ever go. Some people think that every independent shop is like the guys that cut axle boots and, spray shocks yep. and other people will not go anywhere besides an independent shop. And and a big part of all of that is because they've, you know, even if no one was personally training them for that, they've they've been conditioned and trained um, you know, their their entire driving lives for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What um what what do you see as the biggest obstacle that's gonna be coming down the pipe for for our industry? Staffing, it's,
1: it's purely, it's, I mean, you, when, okay, so when, when you hear the normal argument of, of people saying that, like a lot of the older guys that are really good are retiring and getting out of the industry, uh, to me, that's kind of like a lot of like personal experience, a lot of the older guys that I've worked with, or a lot of the older guys at shops that I go to, to diagnose for and stuff, they're already years, you know, behind um the technology that's out there and stuff so and i get it like an old dog doesn't want to learn trick new tricks you know what i mean you've been doing the same thing for 40 years you're almost ready to retire why are you going to start picking up a scope if you've never used a scope nope i get that you know um but the the older guys that are good and are figuring out the intricate things and stuff like that are are leaving because of money going to other industries um you know the the guys that are like I'm 36, so I find myself in like the middle of the age group in this industry. Um, you know, guys like like me and my age are, are literally like I don't know. I know three or four really qualified, talented mechanics. Um, you know, in my area that have completely left the industry, and it all yeah. comes down to money, working conditions, and, and stuff like that. And you don't have younger, newer guys getting into the because we don't we don't have a new you know Fast and the Furious isn't what it used to be and no one's going out and crawling on their back and and hacksawing their own tailpipe off anymore because yep. you know in, in all honesty they'd rather just pay somebody to do it or I don't know I it's st- staffing to answer your question um, but I would say staffing as a result of money you know mm-hmm. we're required to be. HVAC technicians, plumbers, electricians, um, mechanics, uh, maintenance guys. Um, I'm missing one here. What's the trade I'm missing that we're supposed to be in as well? But we have to be all these different trades condensed into one trade, yet I could probably pack up my business right now, uh, spend five years as like an apprentice with an electrician's business that's doing really good, And then start making the same money that I'm making right now, having my own business, working for somebody else as an electrician, Um, and that's real. Like I put out a video a while ago that some people loved and some people hated, uh, saying that our labor rates do not fit our industry at this point. Um, I don't. I I think that we really were an industry that our labor rate with the kind of work we do, we should be up towards the three hundred area. If I'm putting a random number at it. Independent shops, uh, you know, dealers, because now independent shop. I mean, we've got to buy the same equipment that dealers have to buy at this point too, to to keep afloat and stuff. So that that gap where the dealer was one hundred and sixty and all your independent shops were eighty, that gap is closing because of the amount that needs to be invested in and stuff. And I, I really think, like, this whole industry, the fact that we're not close to to like three hundred dollars an hour is insanity to me. When yeah. uh, my used car lot. We had a, um, a Roto-Rooter. Do you guys have Roto-Rooter up by you? Uh, I've heard of the name, but we probably have something. They're like different. a chain mobile plumbing business, right? So yeah. they, they'll come, they'll snake your toilet or whatever the case may be. We we had a Roto-Rooter guy come out. Uh, he attempted to snake the toilet. It's an industrial you know, building or a commercial building, so it's not like he's coming into the house. He literally walked into a door from the outside of the building, Uh, used an electric snake, did not unclog it, was there for like 15 minutes, like $550. The snake costs a third of what one of my scan tools cost. But if Mm -hmm. I go somewhere and I try to fix something and I spend 15 minutes there and I don't fix it, I try to charge $550, I'm going to get shot. Yeah. Uh, It's just, you know, that's staffing because of, of money in the industry. Labor rates should go up that money while obviously 100% of it can't go to the tax but the majority of that that increase in the labor rate should go to buffering the pay of technicians so that you start off in this industry not making the same amount that someone makes getting into a job at Burger King or McDonald's or i mean shit like starting pay in a lot of areas for this job is still 9 10 dollars an hour in in a lot of central and and southern states and stuff i I was making freaking like I think I was taking home one hundred and eighty dollars a week when I got into this, you know. Yeah. So if you're gonna yeah. take home nine dollars an hour, yet McDonald's everywhere in the country is starting off at fifteen to eighteen, I'm sorry. As a kid, I'm taking the eighteen dollar an hour job, no matter how much I like cars.
0: Mm-hmm. Plus, look at the tool of investment, right? Correct. Even on on top of it. So, how do you think the mentoring thing is is affecting it as well? Because we we talked kind of like guys gatekeeping right sharing not sharing information or 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 not if they know a trick or a workaround on some pretty advanced stuff they don't share it and i know from years when i was at the dealer if i figured out something i didn't immediately go and show everybody in the shop i might help my buddy that did the same kind of work i did all day long i might help him i might show him um but i mean do you think that there's a lot of gatekeeping going on well uh, let me let me actually let me
1: top your question with with a question here actually so why at that time would you not like okay so me at the time if i found a workaround that took a job from like six hours to say two hours because i found some i would be the first one to run around the shop telling everybody so
0: what was the reason for you not so running around the shop telling everybody Mine wasn't a workaround in the sense of like here's how to shave time off doing a job mine was like oh we've got a caravan that when you hit the brakes the radio station would change channels stuff like that well you would find it because you'd find the splice that was rotten on the floor pan touching ground and i might show that to somebody else but if we because if you if you shared it the next time that that car came in and see i worked in a dealership where if it got backed up they just dispatched diag to anybody so me it might have taken me three hours to find that that to track down that problem the next guy, if he knows the exact same he's going there right first. And he's and he's gonna he's gonna go right there. There's no process, diag process. It's just like as if you pulled something out of identifix, not running down identifix. And and so my time then becomes worth less. Now it doesn't necessarily mean that the next van that, that came in that I still needed three hours to find that exact you understand what I'm saying, right? You don't need three hours the next time. But if I'd have given that away, then they wouldn't have seen it as being any value to what I did because anybody would have been able to do it then because he'd have taught it to everybody else. That's what I mean about not sharing it. And maybe in hindsight, it wasn't the best way, but I had to do it because you know, I'd be three hours in on a diag. The guy across the shop could have done four break jobs. And then when we get backed up and he doesn't have a break job to do, they're going to dispatch that job to him. And if I've told him where to, if he comes over and taps on my shoulder and says, Hey, I got one across the bay for me and he's sitting at 60 hours and I'm at 35. I was of that mindset that, well, that job can sit there and wait till I get this job done. And then I'll take that job. If I go and give him the answer, what are they going to have for me next? You know, at what point do they brain him in and go, okay, you've got 60, he's got 35. You know what I mean, Chuck? Like I'm giving him the answer. I'm kind of giving him the answer and taking money out of my pocket to give it to him. Do you see what I mean? I, I get that. Um, throughout
1: my career, I've had um, personal issues with the flat rate system and not not just based on like, don't get me wrong, I hated having weeks where I took home $800 and then the next week took home 100 with no guarantee. But I've, I've got my my problems with the flat rate system for a lot of different reasons. And to me, and don't get me wrong, the flat rate system is a good system for a lot of reasons as well, um, but I think that what you were going through with the story you just told is, let's say flat rate never existed. Okay, like right. it just wasn't a thing. It didn't exist. It was illegal, and everyone that worked at that shop was either hourly or salary. You would yep. you would have ran around and told everybody the, the reason that the fucking horns going I'd off.
0: Have, I'd have shared it with everyone because I would have wanted us as a team to be the best team quote unquote, in the league. Yes. Now think think about now that,
1: that small condensed team that you would have just helped out and everything, expand mm-hmm. that and let's pretend that that small team was just, that's all the mechanics on the planet. So that's the industry right. is that small team. So now you're helping the entire industry by showing we're taking pay out of it, flat rate out of it and everything. You're helping the entire industry by showing them that problem so that the industry can benefit themselves, the customer, they could charge their bare minimum of an hour diag. Um, the customer's happy because it's fixed correctly. They find the splice right. within five minutes, so they're making good money off that job now. They could all move on to the next job so that now you're getting two break jobs. The other guy's getting two break jobs. like that. That's kind of the way that I see it. Um, and I, I think that it, it kind of sucks, honestly, that the structure of pay was the thing that made you not want to run out and tell everybody what fixed it, and that there might have been one guy in the shop that ended up down the road leaving the industry because he never had anyone really showing him you know, the ins and outs and the tips and the tricks and the things along those lines that would have made him faster and more profitable, and then also would have then clued his brain into the fact that, like, wait, a, a green splice can cause this weird problem? Now I'm going to think differently about every weird problem I look at because I realize a splice or corrosion or placement or the fact that the plastic on the sill is cracked had something to do with it with water entry so i mean that's really that that to me is um is gatekeeping conditioned gatekeeping i would call that conditioned gatekeeping based on the fact that you were on a flat rate system Mm
0: -hmm. but see does it so i'll give you this in, in in response does it undervalue it though if we just give the answers all the way Uh,
1: no, I don't believe so. Because I, I feel like if there were six technicians in that circle of technicians that you ran to and you told, Hey, I had this prop, the freaking the, the radio was turning on and off when I was hitting the brakes and Mm -hmm. you told these six people, I think four out of those six people would get that same exact problem three months later and never remember that you ever told that to them. And then the other two guys would go, Oh, you know what? I think Jeff had this. What did he say it was? And the one guy would remember, oh, it's the splice. Go right to it. And the other guy would go up to you and say, Jeff, I remember you had this weird problem a while ago. Do you you remember exactly what it was? And then that's more you're one-on-one helping the guy. I really think, like, you know, and it's sad to say, but I really do truly believe that those four other technicians would never remember what you did.
0: Yeah, so then we could make the argument that those four other ones that say don't have that memory or would have never, don't have a process to get to the results. So, say that's the example, right? I keep, I, I'm big on process. I talk all the time about process, process, process. You have a process when you go to a vehicle, certain PIDs you look at on every vehicle for whatever you're trying to solve, you know, your routine, whatever you want to call it. Some people don't develop that. Some people don't have it, don't want it, don't, you know, to them, if they're, they would much rather put struts in than get handed a diag problem. But if there's no struts to be put in, and you hand them a diag problem, they they don't have a process, so now they all they can get is an is an answer. All you can give them is, a, you know, a bullet right. Here is the arrow hitting the bullseye on the target. Go over there, do that. Is that really helping them, Chuck? I mean, it, so it helps the business, but does it help the tech? As far
1: as that technician getting that particular diag job with like the van that we're talking about, or just in general. Just in general, uh, I think that that technician's working at the wrong shop, or the dispatching is not going well, or you know, honestly, that's that's what that sounds like to me.
0: But it's that happens, unfortunately, Chuck. In most shops, they don't get what you just said—the dispatching and the and the and the skill development and everything. It doesn't get wrong, or it doesn't get done well or properly. So I understand why some guys gatekeep. I don't. It, it's, it's. I'm the same as you. I think it sucks. But I would be lying if I said I, I shared everything that I ever learned the hard way with everybody because I had to learn it the hard way. You know, I had to put all those hours in just like you do um, that I didn't get paid for. And then if I'm just going to give everybody the answers, well, somebody came up with Identifix and it's a wonderful program and, you know, it's a multi million dollar thing now. But. I see now, and we see people in the, in the conversations in the industry, and they really say nobody wants to work anymore. Nobody wants to figure anything out. They just want to rely on that pattern failure, silver bullet fix. So I, I'm torn with it. I, I, you know, where I work right now, I'll share anything with anybody because we all, we all benefit. But when the pay depends on what you can produce <clears> – <throat> And that I keep I keep my cards very close to my chest, you know.
1: Yeah, for me, uh, I I just feel like there is not and never ever will be a, a, a finite amount or a finite amount of repair work out there. Um, there will always be. Rep- I mean, we're recession proof business, especially with people leaving the industry. Um, yeah. and on on a large scale, like things that I would show in in video and stuff, I've had comments of people being like, "Why are you showing this? Like, you you shouldn't be showing this because it's you know." To me, it's like, wh- I don't know, why do I care um, if I show a DIY guy how to do something with a $5,000 scan tool that they're never going to buy a $5,000 scan tool to do? You know, they're never going to have the capability to. And then when it comes to um, actually working, you know, with people in the industry and stuff like that, uh, unfortunately, I don't have much. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? I don't have much faith in the abilities of a lot of guys that are already in the industry. And while a lot of those guys might be trainable with the right training in the right direction and stuff like that. I mean, dude, I know some techs that are 40, 50 years old that I'm like, I don't understand how you made it this far, how you're still like doing this job.
0: Yeah, I understand exactly where you're coming from on that, but let me, let me ask you then, Sometimes in a shop environment, what we can blame that on is two things. There's, there's no shop culture there of improvement of your skill set. And then if there if there is a, uh, a reward for improvement of your skill set, it's strictly on their own investment, right? They're, they have to, this, like for me, even when I was at the dealer, they didn't send me to a ton of training. I was at the dealer before there was online training. And then when I started to get really good and Moved to different brands, different dealerships. I didn't do their online training because it was redundant, basic stuff, and it was unpaid, and it had to be done on my own time. And I'm like, listen, I, I, ohm's law, I got that. You know, I can rock that shit. I don't need another three hour refresher where I click and point and go through and go, yeah, just to say so that I can war- write a warranty claim. That's not like I'm not doing it. It's unpaid. I'm not doing it because I worked at a at a dealer where. I worked with a lot of guys that have been there 25 years. They were ASC, not ASC. They were brand master certified. So whatever. And I would do their comebacks for them because they struggled with electrical. They struggled with drivability. They were all, they'd taken all the classes in class, got paid to be out of the shop to do it, but they struggled with it. I didn't. So why then when all of a sudden the online stuff rolled out and everybody started to say all your training is now online you do it on your own time and it's unpaid i had a problem with that maybe in hindsight it wasn't i should have just sucked it up and took it but it was where i was at the time i was just like no i don't need to i'm not going to do it for free if that guy over there that i is you know i'm at the time i'm 31 he's 48 if i have to go over there and do something for him it's a rudimentary basic volt drop problem and he's got all this training that he was paid for and you want me to take the same training to get to the same level that he got but i got to do it for free i'm sorry i don't swallow that pill it doesn't make sense to me i don't think it's fair and i get wrapped up too much in life on what is fair it's been a real thing and for me the last 10 years to learn Fair is nothing. Fair is is fiction. Fair doesn't exist. You know, it is what it is, and that's just what it's going to be. You try to treat people better, then you get treated, and that's hopefully, you know, karma makes a whole lot more sense than fair. But going back to it, I I understand why gatekeeping happens, and I, I want to see the industry get to a point where it's not such a problem. But I believe that we fix it by working on individual tech competency, uh, I believe that we have to mentor um, ourselves better right now. I believe we have to mentor the next generation way better than we were mentored. I mean, you you were not mentored at all. Um, and then, if we can get to where we get away from some of the incentivized pay plans, then I think we see a lot of the gatekeeping go away. So that's just my my in a nutshell thing about why I think it happens because you know Brandon talks a lot about it Rich has kind of talked about it you know it's it's a very interesting topic and there's so many facets to it I I enjoy the conversation but I I understand why guys do it I have done it myself in the past and under circun- certain circumstances I'd do it again it's self preservation it's it's not because I want to screw anybody or screw the customer I I just I got to keep what I got to keep you know
1: the fact that that there's a need for self-preservation and not to blame this completely on flat rate or anything like that is that that's probably more of a problem in the industry than the money, to be honest. You know, the fact like, all right, listen, if you, if you have a shop directly across the street from another shop and you both have, you know, two employees and and one manager and one owner, of course I'm not going to run right across the street and give them all my secrets. You know what I mean? And because that is really self-preservation and that's two businesses that are you're never gonna get rid of two competing businesses. But when it comes to two competing, well, they're not competing, two competing techs working for the same business and gatekeeping is happening because of that. I mean, yeah, that's that's a huge industry problem to me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But you'll see lots of lots of shop owners that if there's a going back to your example of there's a shop across the road and you've got two bays and two employees, and you've got two bays of employees, they would love to see that shop fold up close down and be able to get their customers
1: not me no i want that shop to pay me to walk across the street to go figure out their hard to figure out problems right you know you do. i don't i can't take on all their customers my shop's not big enough we both have very tiny shops but i want mm. you to pay me to come over there to help you you know and right. and we could trade customers as time goes along because customers leave businesses and go to another they you know grass is always greener on the other side So having that business while we're in competition, you know, it's not the work. I don't want to put you out of business. I just, I want to be better than
0: you, (laughs) you know? Well, but uh, some would say if I'm better than you, it's just a matter of time and you're going to be out of business.
1: Um, yeah, not necessarily. You know, I, I tell people you can have, uh, there's three ways you could do things. You could do things, uh, cheap. You could do them with quality or, uh, you could, you know, do them, uh, what's the freaking third one I'm looking for? Che- <laughs> you can do them cheap with quality or you can do them fast. You can't have all three. You can pick two and I'll try to do those two. You know, So the other shop might survive because they're cheaper than me or they're faster than me or, yeah. you know, I just I don't want them to be better than me, that's all.
0: You know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so funny when you talk to some of the owners that like they'll tell you some of the, the stigma in some of the shops right now is that if you're a single shop owner, you you haven't made it yet. You haven't made it until you're a multi shop owner. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I so. used to. I used to think that I needed to get multiple vans on the road. I needed to have a shop. I needed to have multiple shops. Um, I'm way happier and make way more money doing it this way. Really? Eh? Way happier. Yeah, I mean, dude, I, I can't tell you the amount of stress in the last um, last eight months or so before we finally said screw this, we're closing the shop. I have never been in a darker place in my life than I was for that eight months. Um, Then we closed the shop. A huge weight was lifted off of my shoulders, but not completely. It was still kind of there. And I'm like, why? Like, we closed the shop. This is what was like, dude, I'm telling you. Like, I was debilitated to the point where I'd go to the shop. I'd spend my couple hours there. And then I would go pull over onto the side of the road and basically just put my phone on. Do not disturb. I don't want to talk to nobody. Even my Fiance calling me. I, I would come home. I didn't want to I didn't even want to talk to people. I didn't want to talk to her. I don't want to do it. Actually, was it was it Paul's episode with you or Chris? It was Chris's episode where his wife was talking about he would come home and he would just want to play video games. She would make dinner. He wouldn't even like come out for dinner. She'd eat dinner alone. Like that was my my life was a more extreme version of that. I would sit on the side of the road and not come home. Um It was it was bad. So I we closed the shop and I still was like, man, something has given me like these these feelings of, of like dread and I can't figure out what it is. And I realized it was it was this. It was the amount of, of notifications. It was the, the growing out of business that I did. And that was yeah. when I finally decided to make the change to where I was going to primarily take on um, repair shops and stuff like that. Now I don't even pick up the phone. I let it go to voicemail unless it's someone I know or it's something important. They can leave a message and I'll get back to them as soon as I can, if I can. Mm-hmm by the way, not, not guaranteed. I'm going to, and I'm pretty clear about that in my voicemail. Um, but I needed to, I needed to do that, um, for myself and for my family. Uh, it's, you know, then, and as soon as I did that, literally as soon as I did that, all of that weight was then lifted off of my shoulders. And the only time that I, I kind of get stressed out is if I'm looking at my, my bank and my projections and the holidays coming up and stuff like that, and like today, I made almost zero dollars because that freaking thing got stuck on the lift. That's yeah. you know that that's the thing that'll stress me out. But that's fine because that's only two percent of the hundred percent of stress that I had before I decided to make these these changes. So for me, it it's it is and will continue to be stay small and keep it all. I have no uh, grandiose feelings of of needing even really needing a a, a shop. You know what I mean? It's just. I tried so, it. It's not for me
0: <laughs> with rich riding around with you is, is the, is there a ever a, a situation where rich maybe would like go into a second band, or that's not even.
1: No. So rich, uh, rich just helps me out on the, the weekends. Um, he's not even an employee if you know what I'm saying. Um, so he's been my best friend since we were like 15, uh, actually no, since we were like 14, 15. Um, he works for Westchester County, so he's got a municipality job during the week. So Monday through Friday, he's got a nice, you know, taxpayer uh, money job where he... As a, What's that? As a tech? No, no. He's uh, he's a junior traffic... He's Now he's a full-fledged traffic engineer, I think, but his previous job was a junior traffic engineer. He's like an engineer without an engineering degree. Um, right. Yeah. He does, you know, road closures and signs and stuff like that, but from a computer in his office. Um And then on the weekends, uh, you know, he works with me, gives me a little hand. So, uh, but no, Rich will never go into his own van and Rich who will end up listening to this podcast as well. He, um, he worked for me. He was, he's a previous tech. Um, and he worked for me, um, at a previous shop that I was running and, uh, he is wonderful on the weekends. Um, he's, wonderful when he's with me and I can listen and I can hear and I can see and stuff like that but um, as and he would have no problem with me saying this as a career technician he doesn't have the ability to not get burnt out on a daily basis you know right. but on the weekends
0: yeah. great awesome you know that's cool that's cool um so what what's your long-term aspirations long-term? Like, are you exactly where you want to be right now?
1: I'm I'm a man without goals. I've always been a man without goals my entire life. I live life kinda as it comes and stuff. So I'm I'm about I don't know, kind of like I don't ever say like I want to complete this goal by this time or anything like that, but I do a lot of looking back and realizing that I set a goal that I didn't, you know, really like uh programming. Some something that sounds so simple to some people. Um programming like a GM for instance or or a Ford when I was at Ford we had tough books and we had you know I think it was the original VCM at the time um I didn't realize that this was stuff that you could buy at all so like my whole career going into I never knew anyone on the independent side that did programming like not a single person everything that ever had to get programmed went to the dealer um and I had no one to ask or talk to about like what even is programming like I thought I was going to be like kind of like HP tuners like hooking up a laptop and transferring files over and like all the like that movie hackers from the 90s like, you know, oh man, I'm programming, you know, and um, you know, so then I finally got into pro I, I told my tool guy I was like, listen, just, dude, give me a J box, please, because I need to start programming and I'll figure it out once I have the J box. And he threw it in my hands and then I look back and I'm like, shoot, okay, so I got the J box. A year ago and in this past year i've probably done a hundred programmings maybe on Mm -hmm. gm ford chrysler um and then i look back to um two or three years ago where i was going man i'd really like to get into programming you know so to me that's kind of like i'm looking back at a goal that i achieved that i didn't really set so i don't know next thing will be keys maybe that's my next goal (laughs) <laughs> it's just you know doing uh, more key stuff and cutting more key stuff and then like um yeah I don't know they're short term goals like I look up to uh, Cody from Cody's auto yep. diagnostics so much for the stuff that he's capable of doing um and I I call him for help um you know I also call him just to tell him like weird shit that I ran into too you know what I mean <laughs> so I don't just use him as a lifeline um but I've sent him modules for him to clone for me and stuff like that and. While I don't want to put Cody out of business by any means, I want to help Cody achieve his own goal of, like he says, he wants to be put out of business. He wants everyone to be able to do what he can do. And yeah. um, I want to be able to do the things that Cody can do. That's my next goal. And then once I get to that point, I'll try to find somebody that can do more than Cody. And then I'll want to do the things that he can do,
0: you know? Yeah, I understand. So you heard me earlier, we were talking couple days ago i said to you i wanted to see it where you can wind down and not work seven days a week do you feel like and you said to me well i've been working seven days a week since i was you know a teenager um do you feel like you don't you're not feeling burnt out you're not feeling like you're not missing things because i i I know when you posted on tiktok even the your fiance went to a, a concert you know, you, you went into the city and that was seemed like a big deal for you to get away from the business for a day and take the train into the city, go see a concert. I didn't know the band or I, I, I don't think it's my type of music, but <laughs> 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 um, do you you don't feel like you're missing out, Chuck, on stuff with such a such a, a workload that you take on?
1: I do. I 100 percent realize that I miss out on a lot with my family, mm-hmm. a ton. If you, um, you know, if you follow my fiance on TikTok, you will see all of the really cool things that she gets to do with the kids, um, yeah. and she's she's a stay at home mom. And I have zero. Just so everyone knows, I have zero issue with that. I like her as a stay at home mom, um, yeah. and not because I want to control everything and pull all the strings or anything like that. I love that she gets to go out and make these memories with the kids and stuff like that. And they wouldn't honestly, if I didn't work like I do, they they really they wouldn't have the opportunity to. So I do work mm-hmm. a lot less now um, than I used to. Like, even this week, I, I had a couple days. I didn't even start work until 12 o'clock. I hung out in bed with her and watched TV and stuff. A year Fair ago, enough. I would never have been able to do that. So, yeah. um, I, while I realize there are things I'm missing out on, I'm also, like, and again, I'm a man without no goals. But in the same time, I kind of ha- have an envisionment, you know, of, of of our future and stuff like that. And I'm going to work as much as I can now while I still can as I make myself more valuable. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of like verging on making myself valuable with uh, also doing less work in a sense, whether it be mm-hmm. physical work or time spent work and stuff like that. Um, yeah. And I, I grew up, I grew up stupid poor man. And I, I just want them to live, be able to live a different life than I, I grew up living. I
0: understand that for sure. And that's, and that's why, you know, you and I have been talking for so many months about trying to get this done yeah. and get in get have this conversation because you're the one guy that from, you know, I mean, there's been a list. As soon as I said, I want to do the podcast. There were so many people that like want to be on the list and I want to be on the list, but you're the one guy that I want to really bridge between TikTok and into the, the, the different groups that, that I'm involved in that you can get some real feedback on, on the business side of stuff. You know what I mean? And please don't take that as like I'm critiquing or saying that, you know, what you're doing is not working because it obviously it is. But, you know, I, if I can help you network with more people like Cody and and and, and that, that that are on the – that are, you know, out there just killing it like you with business, man, that, that's, that's the whole goal for this podcast with me is just to bring the people that are in different communities – bring them closer together within the automotive community. You know what I mean? The different factions and the different platforms and all. I want to try and bridge all that together so that everybody kind of knows who you are. You know who more of the players on that side of the fence are. And we all lean a little more on each other because, you know, I'm like you, I don't want to gatekeep. I want to see the mentorship thing improve. And the only way it does that is by, by lifting this industry up. And the only way that does that is because you know we all don't have to agree on every little stupid issue and topic, and you know what 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 the way you want to run your business doesn't have to be the way somebody else runs their business, and and you know it doesn't make it wrong if you do it different than they do, and they they're not wrong. I just want people to get as much resources available to them as possible, and network as much as possible. That's I honestly one million percent believe that is the way we turn this around, is we stop competing against each other and start helping one another with how to make it work. You know, it's like you said, there's more cars out there that need fixing than we can all get done. Don't question about it. You know, um, you know, people say all the time that that's not my customer. It's somebody else's customer, right? That's not a customer for me, but it might be a customer for them. That doesn't mean them is less than me. It doesn't mean that them is, is different. It's just different if we can get where all of us are working together, then, then this industry becomes so much easier to find young people to work in, to get that passion back that you had for it so long ago that I had. That's all it's going to take is just people networking with each other, you know, and it's, it's, it could be, there's a lot of strong opinions, right? There's a lot of strong personalities, but, you know, that was why from the, Moment I started to reach out on TikTok it was like I kept hammering on you to be like we we got to sit down and do this we got to <laughs> sit down and do this because I want you to know the people that I know to 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 just to share what you are and to share them with you that's it you know yeah, 100% all.
1: yeah I'm definitely down you know um yeah I think uh I think the industry has a long way to go um you know before things are fixed but the
0: more people that band together you know most definitely can make the most change you know and that's and that's what it's about. Like I mean, sometimes people look at the way I am, like you said, you know, rude as shit. <laughs> it was the co- it was the comment. The comment was rude as shit. <laughs> you can completely out of context because it's not people when I say up here in Canada when we say you can't hack it, that doesn't mean that you are a hack. That just doesn't mean that you're <laughs>
1: No, no, I get it. I completely get it. I you know, that's the same same terminology here. You couldn't hack it. You know what I mean? It just it was just funny. It's like it's it don't get me wrong, like it was it was funny, but at the same time when I looked at it, I went, oh, well, that was rude as shit. But you know, I also it starts. it doesn't matter if it's rude as shit really, because it starts a conversation. And kind of what I said yeah. in that video too was um that I felt it was really it was a comment that was based on almost a misunderstanding of the fact that like so. When, when she started that video, mm-hmm. she posed a question almost, yeah. uh, am, am, I, or why am I starting to realize why certain people call it the stealership? If we're putting it in like, you know, more mm-hmm. drawn out words there. Um, but the question was never actually asked during the video. So then the rest of the video kind of came off as like, you know, she's just calling them the, uh, the stealership. And like I said, in my video, I've called them that a, a million times, but also regionally um and like i I probably shouldn't say this because i go to some of these franchise dealers to diag, but the franchise dealers in my area have a reputation for being horrible and on top of being horrible well, on top of being just it's more expensive which is the nature of a dealer being less than quality work and it's not like it's not like one of them or two of them. It's like I could tell you which dealers have a good reputation, and then there's the rest of them. Um, you know, and that's something that, again, is like that's that's the whole, that's the chain, you know, the down the chain problem from the owners to the GM to the techs to the dispatcher to the service writers and
0: everything like that. They're just, you know, it's, it's staffing issues yeah. probably. Um, it, it's just the culture of their business, right? And that's what right. I want to change the culture of the industry. And that's why I was, my point was just we all need to do better. Just stop! Stop with the negative words, the negative, you know, nicknames for 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 p- things in our industry, and just try to uplifting. It, it, you know, if you're going to play that round, you're just going to pander to the co- to the consumer, and the consumer is going to continue to think that we're all a bunch of uneducated uh, thieving and crooks, and that's so far from the truth. But I mean, it's it's easy to get likes when you side on the side of the customer. You know, if you really want to get change happening in this industry, we have to lift each other up. And, you know, at no point was I trying to push anybody down. I was just trying to draw, you know, focus on the fact that it's it's to pander to the customer um, doesn't help us. You know, we, we all need to do better so that we can serve the customer better. You know, trying to compare and say, hey, I do this and they don't do that and that makes them less than me. That's, that's not doing anybody any good.
1: I mean, you know? I, I think so. I, I mean, I agree, but I also think that it's hard not to, um, no matter if you're a customer or a tech or a creator or whatever the case may be, not to um, look at uh, the industry from the outside in the customer's eyes and everything like that. And, um, you know, well, yes, obviously not every dealership is a stealership, but it's probably a very small amount of dealerships that actually have an intent to stealership through anything you know what I mean um but at the same time we can't um the the public is watching the public will be watching we're not talking to just technicians and just people in the industry so in order to kind of broaden the 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 eyes of the customers that are watching uh, that video needed to happen then your video needed to happen and um mark's video needed to happen And Brandon's video needed to happen and my video needed to happen. So now the customer base, they're, they're, they're being pandered to by all of us, but with all very different opinions of things that are going on, um, you know, and, and that kind of, that gives them more of an inside look than they would ever get compared to, you know, just pulling up to a dealership or their bad experiences with a dealership. Um, you know, they get to see. For, okay, so let's say like I'm just a random dealership customer, and I'm I'm TikTok savvy. I know how to go to comments and click and see where you know how everything links together. And I see your video, and I'm like, yeah, it's dealership. They are the dealership, you know. And then I I'm like, oh, what's this comment? And it's you. And then I click that, and it's, it's Brandon, and you know he's saying what he said. And I'm like, oh man, this this one tech got really upset about this one tech that got really upset for her calling it a dealership. And they watch this chain of things go down. And without realizing it, they've just gained a lot of knowledge on the different ways that 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 we all work and their perception from her video might have changed by the end of that, where they're like, Oh, well, maybe there was a stealership feeling for this reason, you know? Mm-hmm. It's all perspective yep. when it comes down to it, and, and everybody's watching these videos.
0: And we're we being in the industry, we have to always remember what they might do for a complete stranger that drives in, little Mrs. Smith needs her her check engine light cleared. Well, How they treat her is always going to be very different than how they treat somebody like you or somebody like me because they already know that like when they're doing that for Mrs. Smith, they're trying to recoup a customer. They're trying to build a customer like Norm talked about, right? I, I'll plug a tire because I, I'll, it'll build me a customer. They know that if you ride in there and, and need that done, that you're not really that – same type of customer to them, right? So they then probably will hand you a bill. And it's just business at that point. It's just business. It's right. not personal. So that's why I try to always in, in my conversations and stuff try to keep everything non-personal. Just discuss the business, you know. And uh it got sideways real fast about everybody <laughs> thinking, you know, it was a personal attack, and, and it certainly wasn't meant to be, and you know, um, it's just we always have to remember that is what you might think sh- the customer should be treated as, is what you would do. But if you don't have the means to do that, we're unfortunately we're at somebody else's mercy. So I uh, I wanted to thank you for coming on. I don't want to take any more of your Sunday night up. It's I really appreciate you coming on here. Um, I think that this could be a month or two before it gets dropped, and I have a really good feeling it's probably going to really blow up well when it does and um they're probably like people ask me you know can we have other guests on again and again and again and i'm i'm fully expecting that they're probably going to want to have you on again so just i'll give you the warning now that you know yeah no i i had a blast i'd be happy to come on again i mean honestly these these are the conversations i like to have
1: i could sit here and talk for hours you know
0: (laughs) awesome well i'll uh i'll let you go on that note um I'm proud to see you're, you're killing it. I'm glad to see that you're doing, you know, you're in a better place than you were. Um, I didn't know a whole lot of the background when the shop closed down, and I, I thought maybe that was going to be like, you know, something really, really negative. But it seems after talking with you that it's it's it hasn't been a complete negative for you, and I'm, I'm proud of that. I'm happy for you on that. And, uh, you know, like I said, I just I want to see you continued success, and, you know, I really appreciate your skill set and i really appreciate your attitude and and you know your dedication to this industry and i mean that's that's why i want to have you on people like you on is because i want to shine light on on i want to shine light on the stars within the industry and that's that's why i'm here doing this hey if you could do me a favor real quick and like comment on and share this episode i'd really appreciate it and please most importantly set the podcast to automatically download every tuesday morning As always, I'd like to thank our amazing guests for their perspectives and expertise, and I hope that you'll please join us again next week on this journey of change. Thank you to my partners in the ASA Group and to the Changing the Industry podcast. Remember what I always say, in this industry, you get what you pay for. Here's hoping everyone finds their missing 10 millimeter, and we'll see you all again next time.